It didn't take much more than a bottle and two chairs to make a speakeasy. This is what Daniel Okrent said in his book, Last Call, The Rise and Fall of Prohibition. Today, join us for some stories. Get your own bottle, glass, mug, and relax. This is Speak Easily, and I'm your host, Krista Stoffer. Hey, what's up? Thanks for, for listening in today. So this is our initial podcast. Your first. The first. Your first podcast. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So the- you always remember your first. <laughs> We're going to leave that right here. So the the gist behind this podcast was really, I guess, maybe in a selfish nature, but I feel like the best way to get to know somebody is to hear their story. Yeah. To sit down and <laughs> maybe I ask too many questions, but I feel like once you delve into a person, that's how you get to know their story. So that's that is my goal with this. And I live here in Columbus, Ohio. There are so many cool people in this city, so I wanted to bring on people that will just tell their story. Well, I hope you get one soon. <laughs> well, you know, um, I hope you get a cool person I, to do your first podcast. I, I'm going to keep looking. Yeah, really, um, you know. Uh, we'll find one eventually. I, I, Godspeed. Thank you. Thank you. So, <laughs> joining me today, my very first guest is... You uh, always remember your first. You, oh, glory be. Uh, is, is not only... An amazingly talented individual, but is also a friend. Yes. And you were a great inspiration for my podcast, because you have a podcast. I do. He does. And so, without further ado, please welcome Mr. Dino Tripodis. Thank you. Hi, Dino. Th- thank you. And, Thanks, and, and thank you for the, uh, in all seriousness and sincerity, the, the uh, distinction of being... Uh, the first guest on your podcast. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I don't know why, but a lot of people ask me to be their first guest. <laughs> my- <laughs> you always remember your first. Somebody once told me. Yeah, uh, my friend Johnny DiLoretto, when mm-hmm. he started doing his late thing down at Shadowboxes, okay. you know, I was his first guest. Really? Yeah. For comedy? For it, it or was, just he, he does like a like a like a late night talk show live down there really? at Shadowbox in the in the in the cabaret okay. part of it. And I was his first guest. Yeah. And some other friends of mine out in California started a podcast, and I was their first guest. <laughs> but and, you have a podcast. And I have a podcast, and, and I was not my first guest. Or well, was I? I don't recall. I don't think you can be a guest of yourself. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> we've, we've done uh, uh, a two-parter, which will be a three-parter, yeah. where I am the guest. You are, and, you are and, the guest. And my attorney is uh, interviewing me. We call it the uh, the Whiskey Depositions. Yeah, because your podcast is Whiskey Business. Whiskey Business. And your tagline is... A podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yeah. Uh, that's the only running theme in Whiskey Business, that we share a different bottle of whiskey um, every week with my guest, and my guests range from A to Z, much like mm-hmm. I'm sure yours will with mm-hmm. this one. Uh, so yeah, you learn a little bit about the whiskey, but it's more about the guest. There's only been one podcast where we had, uh, the guest bottle was no bottle, uh, when that was, uh, when we did uh, Matt, an alcoholic Uh and a gentleman, friend of mine who, who bared his soul on our podcast and and we went with uh, no bottle that week. That's probably good. Yeah. Do you, you've never repeated a bottle? No. 
there's no you don't have to do you realize how many different types of whiskeys there I, are out there I don't. ranging just from whiskeys to bourbons to rice to scotches we haven't even gotten to the japanese whiskeys I may never get to the Japanese whiskey. I didn't know there was Japanese whiskey. Oh, yeah. Japanese love whiskey. The Japanese have, have purchased a lot of the uh, big-name distilleries here in this country. Really? Yes. And have done wonderful jobs with them. What's the difference? I mean, what, what's is the, there a taste difference? In, in what? I don't know. In, in, this, in, in, in Japanese whiskey? whiskey? Uh, I, I guess oh, I think there's sake. So many, there's, and I, there's so many tastes and... and, and 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 flavor notes and uh, aromas. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, it's it's crazy. You're a whiskey and, and snob. Really. I'm not. I, <laughs> I, I have probably become a bit of a whiskey yeah. snob, but not. But I don't think entirely because I can still appreciate <clears throat> some of the lower end stuff that true whiskey snobs would would never even consider. You know? Okay, but because uh, yeah. I'm a wine drinker. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I'm a wine snob because, like you, I can still appreciate. Some bottles that mm-hmm. you know that you would find produced often, and but. and you probably feel the same way about whiskey as I do about wine. Yes. If it tastes good, that's all you need. I don't know much about wine, so yeah. I just know if I like it, it's good. Much like art, right? You know, if I like it, I like it. Yeah, I may not completely understand the depth of it right. or the emotional context behind it, <laughs> but I like the way it tastes, and it goes good with spaghetti. Whiskey does? No. Wine, oh, good. Wine, I was wine, concerned. I wine, didn't wine. think that was a pairing, but <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Yeah, we're. I, I need to learn more about <laughs> whiskey and spaghetti pairings. Uh, so, you are not from Columbus. I am not from Columbus, Ohio. How no. did you arrive, if you will, here in Columbus? How did I? I think it was uh, in a '74 Chevy Nova. <laughs> If I, if I recall. What was the year? <laughs> the year was 1977. Okay. <clears throat> Man, I'm old. <laughs> I am old. You're not old. Yeah. I uh, I came from Steubenville, Ohio, which is also not where I'm originally from. Mm-hmm. But that's where I spent my formative years uh, in Steubenville. Went to uh, uh, about sixth grade through high school in, in Steubenville. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, Decided to come to the Ohio State University. The Ohio State University. For college. Uh, almost did not do that. Mm-hmm. Almost stayed in Steubenville and, and worked in the steel mills. Because I got a job that summer prior to, you know, September rolling around. And I was I was making pretty good bank yeah. in 1977 dollars. Is that pretty typical for people in Steubenville to stick around and work locally? Um, at the time... You know, this is before the steel industry took a dive. I mean, Steubenville was a mill town. Steubenville okay. is an industrial mill town. So the mill uh, provided a lot of employment for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were other things as well. I mean, when I lived in Steubenville, there was a it was a thriving downtown community. I mean, it was there were stores and restaurants and movie theaters. Mm-hmm. And now, if you uh, take a walk through downtown Steubenville, it, it just it it looks like a bomb went off and it's just, it's sad. It really is sad. Yeah. And while steel is starting to come back a little bit and the mill is employing a few more people and, and, and starting to, you know, generate some additional employment, it's, it's a far cry from where it was, but I didn't stay in the mill. I ended up coming to Ohio state to study, to study. Uh, initially it was social work, 
and then it changed into criminology and an English literature minor. Wow. Yeah. Oh, don't be impressed. I didn't finish. (laughs) 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 It sounds very impressive. Criminology and English literature. Wow. Did you want to fight crime or write about it? Well, I I didn't get a degree in either one. I, uh, I dropped out. Okay. Reasoning. Money. Yeah. And also, um, I was not committed to it. I was not a good student. As far as studying or going to class or just yes, any, okay. All <laughs> uh, I did well. I did well in the classes that I enjoyed. I did not do well in the classes that were requirements or mm-hmm. that I needed to do and so forth and so on. Right. Um, uh, yeah, I, I did not take college as seriously as I probably should have. Though, like I said. I really enjoyed and got into the mm-hmm. classes I liked, the criminology classes, the yeah. sociology classes, psychology classes, uh, my English classes, my, my composition classes. Um, it was the other math and science mm-hmm. and, and all the other stuff that, uh, that dragged me down, so to speak. And probably, you know, mm-hmm. being thine own worst enemy. Right. Myself. Right. Mm-hmm. How long were you there then? 77 to um, about 80, 80, I I got into the, put it this way, I got into my junior year, okay, Mm -hmm. Um, but still didn't have junior status. (laughs) I had, I probably had sophomore status in Mm -hmm. my junior year. So I kept, you know, getting classes and dropping classes and, and, and I worked and, and, and played and yeah, as as a college student does, as a yeah, because going from Steubenville, Ohio, not to say that Steubenville was, you know, uh, a nowhere town or mm-hmm. anything like that time where we didn't do anything. But you go from Steubenville to Columbus, Ohio. Uh, it's the first time that you are out of your home without parental yeah. a- attention and right. so forth and so on. And it's that first step. College is that first step to figuring out who and what you're about. Yeah. Uh, and it's ridiculous to, to, to think that you figure it out in those four years because right. you don't. No, you don't. You know, mm-hmm. I you, agree. Your, your 20s are, I, I, uh, yeah, college, no. the, the real education in life is not college. Uh-uh. You know, you go through your 20s and, <laughs> and, and when you get to your 30s, I think that your 30s, yeah. that is probably the greatest decade of your life because yeah. you have some semblance of thought. You have an idea of who you are, mm-hmm. what you're about. And you have a chance to just thrive and 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 go and oh the thirties is the stay on that train as long as you can, people. Well, there is only ten years you can stay on that train, right? If my math that I learned in college, I know, still works because then me. you get to your forties. So and tell 40s, me about the forties. The forties, it's like you go back to emotional school. You start to doubt all the things that you've learned and 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 yeah. and and tried, and you start to wonder about: Am I in the right job? Am I am I with the right person? Uh, am I am I am I? Am, what am I doing? Is this what I really want to be? Who I want to be? Then you get to your fifties, which is where I'm at right now. And in the fifties, and I don't, I, I, is profanity permitted on this podcast? Yeah. Uh, I mean, don't drop a ton of f bombs. No, no f bombs. Okay. But the fifties is the I don't give a shit decade. Okay. Because that's just it. You get to a certain point in your life where, like, you know what? Give me your worst. I don't. I've lived probably longer than I thought I would have at this point. So yeah. yeah. But whatever you got, bring it. Because I don't give a crap. Okay. So I'm I'm now depressed about my 40s coming up. 
So thank you for, for introducing the yeah. the 40s is going to be a challenge. Well, I, not necessarily for everybody. This okay. is this is me speaking, but I, I seem to when I've talked about that before yeah. with other people, it seem it seems like a yep. <laughs> okay. Yeah, seems to hit a, hit a bit of a nerve. So okay. that's all right. It's life. It is life. The one you get. Yeah. So go and have a ball. Right. That'd make a good TV theme that song. Would, that would. That would. That would. So go back to y- the year is 1980, 81. Mm. You decide to be done with Ohio State. Yes. What did you do? Uh, got married and had a baby. Okay. Yeah. And stayed in Columbus. And stayed in Columbus. Were you working? Um, working, uh, yeah, working two jobs that I didn't particularly enjoy, mm-hmm. per se. Yeah. But I was, uh, even at 21, 22 years of age at that point, realized that, that I had the responsibilities of being a husband and a parent right. at that point. Right. And got to do, and I had to work two jobs in order to, to make enough money that one job mm-hmm. would have been suffice. Right. But yeah, I, I did what I had to do. Mm-hmm. And that marriage lasted about five and a half years. Okay. And then we had an amicable split. Mm-hmm. And um, I started other employment. And what did you do then? I went into investigative work. I put my criminology, uh, I put my love for crime mm-hmm. to Not work. doing crime. No. Yeah. Solving. Solving. Battling whatever you want to call it, investigating. How does one get into that? Uh, that was, that was like I said, the, the you know, life is, is happenstance. Uh, I just came across the right people at the right time and the opportunity to uh, work as a, as what they call an independent contractor. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, like a PI? Uh, that was a, a, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. With this firm. Uh, you don't have to I'm, kill me after I'm you done right? <laughs> if, if I become a little evasive about those years, I apologize it's okay. in advance. But uh, yes, I, I worked uh, for this company um, as an independent contractor mm-hmm. and, and then got involved in uh, a variety of things over the next uh, few years. Okay. Um, one of them being a, a big case right here in Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. It was an insurance fraud case. Uh, you know, insurance fraud uh, murder case. Mm. Um, what year was that? This would have been 1980. Mm, I want to say mid 80s. Okay. John Hawkins, Just Sweats, hmm. um, owners of a very popular sporting apparel store. The owner dies. A partner gets the insurance money, come to find. They faked the death of the owner, killed somebody in his place uh, to, to fake his death, to collect the insurance money. Two guys that were scammers from the get-go who actually started the company supposedly as a scam idea to build <laughs> investors, wow. but it took off yeah. and became successful. If they would have put as much time into planning the murders mm-hmm. and and murder yeah. uh, as much time planning if they put that time the into store, their company yeah. they they would have gotten more money in the in the big picture cuz the company was was like a, one of those companies on the move you know yeah. but hmm. yeah yeah criminals always want the uh, the shortcut true they don't want the they don't you know the only the only criminal that goes in for the the long game is the long con 
That is, yeah, yeah. That's that's the only one, the con man, okay. the long con, the one that takes a little time. And even that one yeah. is not going to be investing years into right. a business. But huh. okay, so then moving forward, moving forward, then, I split I split my time between Columbus and Chicago. Okay, at that time. And what did you do? I mean, it was still the still the investigative work. Okay. Yeah. So then, tell me how, sir, that you end up here working in radio. Mm-hmm. Because that's not typically like, oh, I'm done with this. Now I'm going to go into radio. Just from from an outside perspective. I've jokingly said this, but there's probably a a bit of truth to it. I've I've not so much selected my vocations in life Mm -hmm. so much as they have selected me. Okay. Uh, It was happenstance that I came across this investigative situation, Mm -hmm. and I thrived. I was very good. Yeah. Very good at what, at what I did. And um, then uh, to relieve the stress of the investigative work, I would go to comedy clubs to relax. Mm-hmm. And I would go to open mic nights to watch other people go up. People have always told me, as I'm sure people tell you, and you go, oh, so-and-so is so funny. Mm-hmm. And at the time when uh, this was the, the late 80s, uh, comedy was having a bit of a, a renaissance, mm-hmm. if you will, a yeah. boom. Yeah. Um, and there were open mics everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I'd go and I'd watch these open micers and I'd say, wow, you know what? I write. I mm-hmm. I, I think funny things. I, I, I bet you I could probably go on stage and, and do five minutes. So one time when I was back in Columbus, mm-hmm. I went to the, uh, it was on a, uh, 161 or Morse Road, I can't remember. The Ramada Inn had a comedy club Okay. Uh, back then. And I went up on stage. And I did five minutes. Mm-hmm. And Was it scary? It was one of the most frightening things <laughs> I've ever done in my life. Um, and I'd been in front of people before. Yeah. I, I'd entertained in front of people before. Okay. I had sang. I had done things. Yeah. I had performed. I wasn't. It wasn't like my first time in front of people. But it was my first time. That's your stuff. Just me. Yeah. And I went up on stage. I did five minutes. I'd say... I did it. I had a little handheld recorder and I recorded it. And when I listened back, I'm like, I'm surprised I heard anything because I talked so fast. I went through everything and I had no, no idea about timing and waiting for a laugh and, and, and milking a laugh and so forth and so on. But I, but I went through this whole thing and some of it got a chuckle here and there, but I got one big laugh. Okay. And like, oh. oh. Now, I did not win that night. So two weeks later. Oh, it's a competition. It was a competition. Okay. Open mic competition. Right. Did not win. Went back two weeks later, listened to my mistakes, went back two weeks later, won. Same okay. routine or different? Uh, tweaked what I had. Okay. Tweaked what I had. And uh, I was fortunate that when I started doing stand-up, I had a little bit of life behind me. I didn't start stand-up until mm-hmm. I was almost 30. Okay. So I had a little bit of life behind me. So I didn't talk about the typical things that mm-hmm. some of the other younger guys were going. I wasn't talking about, uh, so who's been to Taco Bell? You know, and, oh, yeah, I went there 3 o'clock in the morning. Oh, man, talk about run for the border, blah, blah, blah. I wasn't doing fast food. I was talking about my life. Yeah. I was talking about being a divorced guy with mm-hmm. a kid and a dysfunctional, uh, dysfunctional ethnic family. Mm-hmm. I, I was talking about things. Right. So I won that night. Yeah. A friend of mine says, you should go to the Funny Bone and dry, do their open mic mm-hmm. night. And I'm like, eh, all right. Now, mind you, I'm still an investigator. Oh, okay. I'm not, yeah, I'm still doing investigative work. Right. So I go to the Funny Bone, do their do their open mic nights, and start to establish myself there. Where was the Funny Bone then? At the Continent. Oh, 
Ah, remember the continent? Remember the continent? Remember the continent? Ah, yes. If you lived on the continent, you never had to leave the island. That place was fancy. Oh, it was, yes. They had the woo-woo-woo, the French market. And Uh and they had a gym and they had, yeah. There was a movie theater. The movie theaters. They had every restaurant, comedy. Remember the gatherings at the continent? Back well, in the day, or was I'm, it, or is it where I'm you were? I'm a little oh, bit younger. Um, yeah, I forget. I forget. <laughs> I do. No offense. I do remember my parents were. They sang with Opera Columbus, so they would do Christmas caroling. Yes. Oh, the continent was, was great. Was it was the continent was Easton before it was Easton. Yes. You're Fair right. enough. So yeah. that's where the funny bone was. Funny bone was there. So. Yeah, and Johnny Walker Scotch has a comedy competition. Okay. Uh, long story short, as they say, I enter that competition and I win. Okay. Okay. Well, it's a quarterfinal competition. And when I win that, I win 500 bucks. Plus, I win uh, 13 weeks of work at the Funny Bone all across the country. Oh, so it's a chain. It's a chain. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was a chain of clubs. Is it I, still? I, yeah, it still is a chain. Okay. I don't know if they still have 13 clubs, but at that time they had 13 clubs across, you know, mostly mm-hmm. in the Midwest. Um and 13 weeks of work as an opening act, which okay. if you schedule it properly, you could probably get 26 weeks of work because you can work them twice a year. Mm-hmm. So just like that, all of a sudden now, if I want it, I have 13 to 20 weeks of work right. as a stand-up comedian. But as an opening act, not making a lot of money. Okay. So now i got a decision to make. And eventually, comedy... Like I said, chose me. Mm-hmm. It pulled me in. Yeah. And I went from an opening act to a, a feature act in the middle to eventually a headliner, you know, which is the you know top one, and started doing that all across the country. Hmm. Eventually, and phased out the investigative work, but not in the beginning. Yeah. In the beginning. You begin- were doing both. In the beginning, I was doing both. In the beginning, okay. I was I was like I was like a bad I was like a bad uh, USA. Uh, network series. I would be, <laughs> I would be doing comedy at night and investigative work during the day. You know, you, I couldn't, actually, you couldn't probably talk about. No, no, I never. Ta- you know what? To this day, I have never talked about being an investigator on stage in, in my standup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's not super funny, probably. Um, but I'd be like, I, I would like, okay, I'm going to be in Cleveland for a week. Yeah, what's going on in Cleveland? And I would, you know. Okay. And even when I when I moved out to Los Angeles, mm-hmm. um, even though I moved out to Los Angeles and I was a, an established headliner, yeah. I wanted to stay in L.A. as much as as possible. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go on the road, so I did investigative work out there as well. And and while I was out there, I would I would do one of my favorite cases was uh, the client was a pornographer, a legitimate pornographer. Okay. Who actually made porno movies and, and distributed them? Somebody was stealing his product and bootlegging his product. So mm-hmm. it was so the the job that I took was to find out who was bootlegging this legitimate pornography. Wow! And that's intense. Yeah. So it, I, that took me to every sleazy porn shop and. In Los Angeles. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, no, it, it was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. That's that's where I saw my, for the first time I saw, I don't know if you're going to edit this or not, but uh, but I just, uh, just uh, that's where I saw my, uh, to this day, it was a plug-in-the-wall vagina. 
Ew. Yeah. And and um, I felt like the best way I could describe it was when I was asking because que- asking questions about I was searching for bootleg property right. and in the process came across these things. And I felt like uh, um, I felt like Quint in Jaws. Okay. Right? Yeah. You, you remember that character? I Robert don't. Shaw? Robert Shaw? Oh, okay. okay. Robert Shaw. Yes. Quint. Quint. Don't yell at me. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You've seen Jaws, haven't you? Yes, okay. but I don't know it like you do. Gracious. Well, you, 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 he was kind of a. Uh, do you, you remember he was talking about the. Do you remember the scene where he was talking about the, the shark cage that goes into the water? Mm-hmm. And he was talking to Richard Dreyfus and he goes, you know, cage goes in the water, you go in the water, shark in the water. Right, remember that mm-hmm. little dialogue. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the way I so felt. They, oh, that's the way geez. I felt in the porno shop. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> vagina plugs into the wall. <laughs> you stick your penis into the vagina. <laughs> that's this an electrical podcast outlet. is not intended for children <laughs> under the age of. Farewell no. and adieu to you, fair Spanish ladies. Farewell and adieu, you okay, ladies so of Spain. Moving on from <laughs> pornographic materials. So, you're yes. doing both comedy and investigative work. Yes, but eventually the investigative work phases itself out. Okay. When I uh, uh, come back to Columbus, mm-hmm. uh, as a stand-up comedian, I was a regular guest on the radio at Site 95. Mm-hmm. Um, the lovely, gracious gentleman uh, who had the show at that time, uh, Mike, Big Mike, I don't even remember his last name, mm-hmm. but Big Mike and Jane, loved comedians. Okay. And he said, hey, if you're ever in town and just want to come in and hang out, do so. So I would okay. go in and I would hang out. Yeah. Then I started doing a regular feature, mm-hmm. like on the road. Let's check in with Dean on the road. Where is that? If I was in you know, the Des Moines, Iowa, I would call mm-hmm. in and do three minutes of funny from Des Moines or Florida, yeah. wherever I was at. So when I was living out in Los Angeles, um, the show had changed hands a few times, and uh, they needed a co-host. Hmm. A gentleman by the name of Bob Simpson mm-hmm. was running the show, okay. and they wanted me to co-host with him. Mm-hmm. I said no like three times. Eventually, <laughs> uh, I'll leave out all the all the drama that happened in between. Uh, but I I said uh, I finally said yes. Yeah. Because I thought, okay, my daughter, mm-hmm. who was still living in Columbus, was 13 years old at this time. I'm thinking. Time to. I, I always felt a little bit of guilt yeah. about being away because I would try to get home every. Even though I lived in Los Angeles at that time, I still kept an apartment in Columbus. Okay. A small little apartment uh, in Clintonville. So I would try to get home every four to six weeks mm-hmm. and, and spend a week at home so I could see my kid. And I thought, okay, well, uh, 13's a kind of a pivotal year in a kid's life. I'll yeah. go home, I'll be there. I'll do this gig, which they seem very excited about, mm-hmm. but I know it's probably not going to last more than a year. Mm-hmm. They'll realize they made a horrible mistake, <laughs> and I'll go back to Los Angeles. In fact, I kept my 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 spot in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I was sharing a, a house with some people, and I said I will continue to pay yeah. my rent here because I'm coming back. Right. Yeah. You know? And I would go back that first year. I would go back I, the. Every four to six weeks, I would go back to Los Angeles and do my mm-hmm. sets at the improv and the comedy store yeah. because I was gonna keep, that, keep going. that going. A year goes by, they fire the gentleman I was working with. Mm. And I move up into his spot temporarily. My co-host at the time, who was not my co-host, uh, Stacy McCabe, mm-hmm. kind of, we all come to the consensus that this is October, 
come January, they're going to have a new morning show in here. Yeah. Let's just go balls out and have a great time and not worry about it. Let's just assume yeah. we're not going to have jobs right. at the end of the year. Right. I'm going to go back to Los Angeles. Everybody else will go about and do whatever you want. Let's just have fun. We do that. We have fun. Hmm. And the ratings go up. Right. And then come January comes the talk with the general manager. And when I expect to say thank, thank you, you for everything and sorry this didn't work out, it's the other way around. Mm -hmm. I'd like to offer you guys the morning show. I'm like, whoa, 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 what? What? And then I remember like debating because yeah. in my head I was ready to go back to Los Angeles and now I have to make a decision. Right. And I and now my daughter's 14 years old and mm. and like a like a bad Hallmark movie. I just remember those those big eyes looking at me going, you're, you're going to take the job, aren't you, Pa? Aww. I'm like, ah. <laughs> and I said, then I rationalized. I go, oh, you know what? All right, we'll do it. And then they'll realize in two years that it's not working out. No, it works out. It, yeah. it works out great. Mm -hmm. And 24 years later, <laughs> I'm still there. Well, I'm not there now, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But... Yeah. It was a good 24-year run. That's awesome. Yeah. And so you, Columbus became my home. Uh, from, it had uh, to be. Permanently. Right. Uh, starting in 94. 1994. Yeah. You going to stay here? <sighs> um, that, that seems to be the, 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 the immediate plan mm -hmm. right now. Um, I, uh, I left the station in June. I had a five-month non-compete. Mm -hmm. And... The non-compete only pertains to um, media jobs mm -hmm. Local. In, in this in this in a certain area within right. I think 250 to 300 miles. But Columbus specifically, if I wanted to seek employment out of the state, the non-compete wouldn't have been in, in play. Mm -hmm. um, I think by the simple fact that I did not seek out uh, an agent to find work in radio out of this market. Mm -hmm kind of spoke to myself and said, I, I, this is where I want to stay. Uh, Columbus has become home. I mean, uh, I have a, my house in Clintonville. I've got mm -hmm. great friends here. I've got love here. I've got, you know, I've got everything. Uh, yeah, I've established a life for myself. I don't really feel like uprooting that mm -hmm. at, at this point. Yeah. And it would have to be something really, really significant and almost impossible to turn down uh, in order to leave. And even if I did, I, I think I would still uh, keep the roots right. planted here. Right. Yeah. There's, there's, there's just, there's just too much I've gotten involved with over the last, uh, you know, 25 years or so that mm -hmm. I, I would just turn my back on. It'd and, be a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be a lot. Mm -hmm. oh. I wouldn't be doing this podcast. See, right. Telling your story. So there's like 8,000 other questions that I have for you, but we're running short on time. Mm -hmm. So I'm probably going to make you come back at some point. Okay. I say make you. I'll ask you kindly. You can ask me kindly. Do you have like one one closing question that you want to? I wanna... do. Favorite place in Columbus to go to? <laughs> <laughs> A stumper, finally, at the end. I'm good at those. A stumper. Uh, Let me narrow it down. You right. have you have an out of town guest coming for one day, and they say, "Show me the greatest thing in Columbus." What would you What would you do? Oh, that's not fair. That's I not narrowed fair. it down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I've watched this. I've watched this city grow mm -hmm. uh, incredibly 
since right. since I came here in '94. Okay. Um, there are so many great things in Columbus, and I love it when people come from out of town and come visit Columbus. They go, I had no idea. Right. Right. They, there's so much stuff. There's so much stuff. There's so many great restaurants. Yes. Um, huge arts community. Huge arts community. Um, uh, great entertainment. Great musicians. Great. I bow to you. Great theater <laughs> as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's a thriving arts community. It's yeah. a, um, there's great bars from the from the high class craft cocktail bars mm-hmm. to the down and dirty dive ones. Um, I and I, and all the ones in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, one to say one place in particular. No, not gonna do it. Okay, can't do it. That was a no. You just said no. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I know. Which is it's it's. Not, if if we're improv acting, that's it's not good to, a to negate rule. you. It's not good to negate. <laughs> it's not good to negate. I know. No, it's okay. We'll come back someday to that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to think about that one. Okay. I mean, I had favorite haunts right. through the years. Like the Blue Danube, which is no longer yeah. open, was a favorite haunt. And I think, you know, if that was open right now, I, I, that would be that, that would have been a place. That was mm-hmm. a place I went to uh, in radio years, in comedy years. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember sitting in the in in the, in the back booth, and and George, who owned it at the time, you know, would would constantly say, "Are you going to order something?" Because I would just drink coffee <laughs> and smoke cigarettes, which you could at the time, you know, smoke in mm-hmm. the bars. And uh, and I'd be writing, I'd be writing, I'd be mm. writing. And he goes, what do you write? What do you write? And I go, I'm writing jokes, George. I'm writing jokes and, and story ideas. Mm-hmm. You and the other guy. I always sit there and write, write, write. I go, what other guy? He goes, the, the guy the, the guy who uh, who who made the, the show, uh, the, 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 the nighttime show, the dark time show. The what? You know, it's the show with the with the, the strange things happen to people. I go, the Twilight Zone. He goes, yeah, 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 the Twilight Zone. I go, Rod Serling. He goes, yeah, he come he come from uh, from Yellow Springs. Oh, really? Yeah, he went. To, he was there. He was in Antioch, oh, wow. and he would come up to Columbus, and he would I'm sit in this with... in this booth that I was at in the back, and just. Uh, drink coffee, smoke cigarettes. Maybe and, that's the, and, and the right. lucky booth. Yeah. Mm. Well, now the, now, now the dupe is closed. They, I always hear that they're going to reopen it. But yeah, so I like I, that. Yeah, that's a like it's a that. nice it's a nice little story to it end. It's a nice little story. Sh- thank you for not completely negating my question because you did answer it. So I did answer you. it. I did think about it for I a know second. You did. Yeah, it's okay. Because there's always there's there's so many places that I enjoy going to mm-hmm. and it's always funny when 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 i go into especially with, with bars mm-hmm. you know there's not too many of them that i've not been in <laughs> and, and, I, and i remember uh going to the theater mm-hmm. and getting a, a a drink and intermission and as i went up to the bar the bartender said you know hey dean the usual and <laughs> and, and, and i got and the look i got was a here even mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. because there any place that you don't go where they don't know what you what you drink and, and no not many not many we all need something to be proud of you know? i'm not proud of it i'm just saying <laughs> that the of the facts are well, I'm facts proud of facts you, I and think. i don't i really don't uh, shy away from who and what i am it's, in this world I, so. I appreciate that as a friend that's i think that's why that we have such great conversations may so. i may i wish you the best of luck with this Please, podcast especially you. after you get this you know this first ugly one with the uh 
think it's ugly. Mm-hmm. It's well, there was that ugly part that plugged into the wall earlier, <laughs> which I don't know what you're yeah, going to do with. I don't know what you're going to do with that one. But, sure. yeah. but it's but colorful. It is certainly it's colorful. As, as we are. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so with that. Uh, with speak easily. Speak, I like the name. Speak easily. Speak easily. Yes, I figured we are the town with prohibition where it started. It started in your neighborhood. It started in Westerville. It started in Westerville. Thanks a lot, Westerville. Yeah. But, Which you know, yeah. we'll get to that some other We did day. podcasts on prohibition yeah. on whiskey business. On whiskey business. Yeah. So yours you you have new podcasts every Friday. Uh they usually drop on a Friday, yes. Okay. We'll be recording a new one uh this week. What's the next topic? Uh, Can the you next, share it? The next topic is I uh, I'll I'll be talking to uh an award winning uh master bartender. Okay. Who uh could very well be become the the next uh, whiskey companies have ambassadors of their mm-hmm. product. Okay, uh, she could well very well be on her way to becoming an ambassador for this new whiskey that's coming out. But she also has some great stories about a master distiller, okay, uh, um, who passed away recently and mm-hmm. was uh, responsible for making Maker's Mark the huge brand that it is okay. today. And We'll dig into her life and her stories as well. That's what happens on Whiskey Business. Mm-hmm. You start off with a simple question, and all of a yep. sudden, you know, why am I talking about my childhood? Or, or plugging <laughs> things into walls, you know, all that business. So, um, yes. thank you. Thank you for coming on. Did you have fun? I did. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's easy when you know somebody. Mm-hmm. And you've already had conversations. Well, that's all you got to so. do. You got to just got to get people on here that you know. Right. And, okay. and like. So, you should be good for at least two, three more podcasts. <laughs> and after we sign off, I'm going to punch you in the throat. So it should go over well. Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, Ben from Boxland, who's awesome and been a great friend since 1992. Maybe. Last century. Last yeah. century. We're so he's going to be on the podcast at oh, some point. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. For throwing comments in the background as per usual. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even turn my mic up. I'm shocked. Yeah. I'm shocked. I wanted to, but I want to be respectful. Well, it's episode one. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to muck the waters up. Next you know? week. <laughs> next week. Next week, we see the rise we of the disrespect. It. You know, I can see it going that way. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. You're going to be great. Thank you. And You're thanks for Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining. Peace out. Boxland Media. Think big.